be clear on what you want to achieve, you know, where you want to get to, and um, and then break down the steps to to get there. Like, mm. what are the, what's the first thing that you need to do? Mm. Like, just just take action. I think a lot of people get too caught up in their thoughts and they feel like they've done something just because they've thought about it, mm. and that's just not the case. Hey guys, it's Jacques Massey here, a host of the Couple of Lattes podcast, and I've been hosting this podcast seriously now for about six months. And I want to thank you first for joining the community and listening to the podcasts. And I also want to ask you for a small favor. If you can just take a small moment of your time to write a review and leave a rating on Apple Podcasts, that'll let other people know who potentially want to join the conversation that A, we're having a good time over here, and B, we're learning heaps, because good ideas and good conversations are worth sharing, right? So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for all your support. How are you enjoying yeah. the freedoms of less lockdown restrictions what freedoms that's shannon johnson he's a photographer and filmmaker running his own creative business but he hasn't always done that till one day he decided he really wanted to monetize his passion so in this podcast we're going to hear his story his reasons why and he's also going to share some incredibly insightful tips on how you can do the same thing with your passion <laughs> Well, I mean, you got to go away. That's something, right? Yeah, that's true. No, we're, we're starting to see the light. Um, first, actually, I didn't mind it. Well, I've had it pretty good and pretty well set up um, because we were in Japan, my wife and I. Uh, we had to leave Japan early, but we're over there in the snow season and, and working as well. Mm. And so the spring riding got cut short and I was pretty keen to do a road trip and, and shoot a bunch more content. But... Um, we didn't get over to Osaka or Kyoto or any of the, the islands. We had to bail and, and get home. Um, so, and we're also throwing out ideas of hiking Nepal. So we, that one's on the back burner too, but uh, yeah. maybe one day. So yeah, it's, it's good though, because it's been pretty productive and um, been able to work on some stuff that just normally gets pushed by the, the wayside and, you know, just back end, bit of editing, going through the archives and a bit of just email email stuff and show real show real um work and but yeah now that now that the travel is lifted a little bit um in terms of how far you can go from home i'm so excited to get to the beach because that first extension of 50 kilometers when you're in brisbane just doesn't help um, <laughs> <laughs> now it's 150k you can get out to the hinterland you can get up the coast and get down the coast so Surfing uh, yeah, time. Yeah, headed to headed to the Gold Coast this afternoon, actually. Yeah, surfing time. Or? Yeah, yeah going to have a surf and catch up with um, um, Saxon Zoe and Ty and Anna, um, who you know, you know. Mm. Um, they're all going to be around the coast this afternoon. So it's a little bit of a um, early B day picnic on the beach and surf um, birthday tomorrow. So is it really your birthday years. tomorrow? Yeah. Holy shit, I didn't even realize. I guess that's the day and age of Facebook and Instagram and social medias 
before all that came out, I used to be like, all right, close friends, like, I know when their birthdays are. Now it's like, oh, Facebook will tell me, it's fine. <laughs> like, I don't even know my yeah. mum's birthday, bro. <laughs> Yeah, that's bad. I'm kidding, I'm <laughs> kidding. Come on, yeah. man. that's just for the audience. Just taking a quick break, and we'll be back in under a minute. Okay, and back to the podcast with Shannon. Same thing goes for phone numbers as well. Like, I, I, you know, I reckon I know my mum's phone number, my dad's, and, and, and Nicole's, and I reckon I don't know anyone else's. <laughs> yeah, true, man. It's crazy how go much... to contacts and... Yeah. Remember back in high school or like primary school, you'd know like all your best friends' phone numbers yeah. off by heart. Landlines have like two-hour chats on the phone with your with your girlfriend. Oh yeah. You, you, <laughs> you wouldn't talk at school, but you'd be on the phone at night. <laughs> and then phones came out. And you remember the little what was it like thirty-three tens or something? And you text yeah. like, "Hey, what are you doing?" Like all this like bullshit that you just don't even need to text, but just because you had a phone and there was a girl you liked, you'd be like. Oh, yeah, I'm texting. <laughs> and and they all had snake, and uh, you could like you could make your own like polyphonic ring ringtones. Yeah, you know, yeah. You thought you're super cool. It was, were the days. It was interesting, actually, a little bit off topic, because today we're going to be talking about how to monetize your passion. In other words, how to turn the things that you love doing into a job, basically a way you can make money and survive. Not only survive, but thrive. But before, I, I just wanted to, because you reminded me of a podcast I listened to with Elon Musk and Joe Rogan, um, which yeah, is fantastic. The one where Elon Musk is like smoking a joint. In no, studio. no, he did a second one. Okay. Just recently. And he's talking about, because we were talking about cell phones and how reliant we become on them. And because one of the projects he's working on, apart from getting people to Mars and redoing the entire car industry and making the world more, <laughs> like this dude's insane. But one of the other projects, he's yeah, he's got, he's got a few things. But one of the other passion projects he's working on is something called Neuralink. And essentially, I don't know if you know much about Neuralink, but it's basically no. in the future, it's going to become the gateway of um, essentially infusing the human mind with AI, cyborgs in a way. Basically, I was going to say, is this some iRobot stuff? It's crazy, dude. But what he's saying yeah. is that, like, a lot of people look at it with fear and, like, you know, and rightfully so. Like, it's, it's pretty scary to think about that kind of shit, but also kind of exciting. But he kind of goes, well, like, we're already at that stage. I mean, think about how reliant you are on your phone, how reliant you are on the internet. And just like we were talking about then, like, I don't remember half the stuff I remembered when I was calling up girls on the phone when i was a kid because you just don't need to anymore because your phone just does it all for you yeah it's amazing i i, I get why people are worried about that kind of stuff um but it's just one of those things that like it depends how we harness the technology you know how we use it and it's always going to be people who use it for benefit but unfortunately there's probably always going to be people who use it for evil true <laughs> and yeah that, that's that's the reason for the being so like apprehensive but it's sort of inevitable isn't it that yeah i think we're so. gonna have we're gonna take that progression i mean with with musk is gonna fly people leisurely into space you know <laughs> and we're just it's just crazy how quick we are progressing and that's it, it like applies to what we do as well like you, you learn yeah. some software or you buy some equipment and like six 12 months later there's a new drone out or there's you know new software upgrade and you're like oh yeah i gotta keep up <laughs> yeah i don't know if you saw but like i mean kind of in line with what you're talking about 
in terms of our industry. Um, but Renan, I don't know if you know Renan Ozturk. He's he's a photographer for National Geographic. But he I don't think so. He's incredible, man. And he just took the first drone panoramic drone photo of Mount Everest. Oh, I have seen that. I have seen that. Insane. Yeah, like, he's, even five he's years ago, up. that was unimaginable. Yeah, it's it's almost like a top-down pano. Yeah, it's crazy. It? Like, it, it's, I've seen it. It's outrageous. Yeah, dude. It's I don't so know sad. how like he managed that with the batteries and the altitude. And I think the drone like, was uh, specifically designed to push the limits. Um, it wasn't like, you know, like a, a DJI phantom four or anything imagine that uh, it it had to be modded yeah imagine that he's just got like a like a little tiny freaking um what do you call them like little mini ones yeah just flying up there just one of those jv hi-fi ones (laughs) 50 bucks he he must have um oh he must have waited for for conditions there like just primo conditions no wind like it the wind up there would just be insane, like yeah. even just flying 500 meters above where you actually took off. Yeah, 100%. It could be so much more hectic. Mm. Have a read of the article because, yeah, you're, you're bang on. Like they waited and they tried so multiple times, but the conditions were like they had the tiniest gap and they took it and you managed to get it. But yeah, crazy. Is it a Nat, Nat Geo article? Yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, bro. Uh, Obviously, I know you, and obviously, you know me. We've had some intimate, low sleep moments together, traveling around New Zealand, and we first met in Canada, and we managed to get to the top of the list of people that were allowed to stay in the limited houses in Whistler. <laughs> but um, for, anyone, right. for anyone who doesn't know Shannon, who is Shannon? I kind of want to know, and I think other people want to know, I guess, a little bit of your background and... I guess the hard moments and the good moments that got you to where you are now, which is, you know, not pursuing an everyday nine to five career. You're pursuing something you love and you've kind of turned down other opportunities that could have been more secure. And what got you there? What, what got Shannon to where he is now? Oh, um, <laughs> well, who's, uh, <laughs> we're, going, we're going in all deep. All at once. Yeah. Answer in three words. Yeah. Um, well, mate, I'm, I'm just a guy. I'm just a but, guy. Um, <laughs> what a start. I'm just a guy doing my thing. Is that um, a, is it a guy with a little moustache coming along? Because <laughs> oh, it's been a few days. Yeah, it probably probably needs a needs a run over. Yeah, yeah I, I grew up in Dubbo in New South Wales, country in New South Wales, um, and lived there until I was 14. And it was it was such a really such a good spot to grow up because we lived on um, a bit of land. Like it was only a, an acre and a half or something, but we had um, from a young age, like motorbikes and push bikes. And I was always out there with my sister, just running a mark. Like we, we literally used to pick up green ants with our fingers and, and like drop them in a, in like a homemade green ant farm, you know, like you get them to, to walk around the layers, yeah. like the different levels. What are green um, ants? Hey? What are green ants? What are green ants? They're like, don't you have them in the ants? You probably don't. Just like regular I think Australia ants. Australia has all the little nasty critters that, that just get after you. All right. They're, they're like the size of a, 
they're smaller than a bull ant. They're not very big. I reckon they're about six mil long and they pack a punch. They're, they're like basically black looking, but they've got a bit of a green shine to them. Yeah, right. And they bite like hell. Um, <laughs> but if you pick them up right, and I wouldn't do this now, but when I was like eight, it was yeah. to go. You're immortal you just, when you're eight, eh? Just, yeah, totally. Just pinch them with your fingers on the back and drop them in a ant box and away you go. And we do that. We like go collecting spiders and play in the mud. And anyway, it was, it was a super outdoors sort of upbringing and I was always into sport and uh, cricket especially and um, soccer and stuff like that. So, yeah, uh, at 14, like was, what was it, grade eight, one of the most awkward times you could, you could possibly like change schools socially Mm. um because we're all you know in a bit of a not vulnerable but we're just all you know teenage early teenage years you've got your friends you've got your group and your clique and and we moved up and moved to brisbane Mm. and it went from like a pretty rundown kind of state school where you could we were like skateboarding on the oval and there were fights at lunchtime and all sorts of stuff (laughs) going on to this like really prim and proper sort of private school um that was like academically uh, really strong and had great sports programs and out on like the bay side of brisbane and um yeah that was that was really cool and continued on with sport and um went through did did reasonably well at school and got into uni and um i was kind of at that year 12 decision point where you're like what am i going to study um you know I'm, i'm doing legal studies at school and i'm I'm doing well at it and I like it. I, I like writing and my uncle's a journalist for the age. Um, mm. or the, he's right up there now. Um, or I really like sport. Maybe I could be a physio. And I just sort of rolled the dice and was like, I'm interested in business. I, I, I'm interested in law. I'm going to go study those and uh, with like an international business sort of major mm. and see where it takes me. I'm, I'm going to go into it knowing I don't want to be a lawyer, which mm. A lot of people really sort of struggle to wrap their heads around like why are you studying law if you don't want to be a lawyer um but there's just so many other like avenues that you can go down yeah right and yeah like did that for three years and took a gap year um went and traveled america and worked at a u.s summer camp with, with my best mate um which was unreal like just teaching wakeboarding and water skiing um so we had a boat up in uh, queensland and that was just an absolute blast for a couple of months and then road trip to America after that. Um, and went up into Canada and did my first proper like snowboarding season in Fernie, BC in 2009-10. And that was like where I just proper fell in love with the mountains and um, that cooler weather and, and obviously just snowboarding as a sport. Yeah, right. Was that when you first and, learned how to snowboard or did you kind of already know? Uh, pretty much. I... I, I done the year 12 ski trip down in Parisha. Mm. So I sort of had a, had a crack at it there. And I think I just picked it up quickly because of wakeboarding and a bit of skateboarding. Yeah, right. And um, just loved it, loved going fast, loved jumping. And um, <laughs> I was like, all right, I'm coming back to Canada one day, like it's it's happening. Yeah. And then sadly left and we came back to uni to finish off two more years of uni. Um, and graduated, went straight out of uni into like a really solid um, commercial role um, in procurement for Parmalat, National Dairy Company, Mm. global dairy company now. They're owned by like Talis. So I think they're actually bigger than 
Kraft and Nestle in terms of dairy companies around the globe. They do President's Cheese and Oat and Breaker Milk and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, right. And um, yeah, that was a that was a good role. I I, um, I learned a bunch there commercially, and I worked with a really good team, um, and sort of had like responsibilities ranging from like in change management and contract negotiation. And so it, it definitely hit the right note with what I'd studied um, and was able to sort of learn how to like deal with people through, throughout an entire organization, like internal and external stakeholders, you know, um, introducing change management on, on the manufacturing sites or presenting something upwards to the general managers and, and things like that. So that was, that was, really good learning experience and i did that for two and a half years um i think yeah that, that was actually where i don't know how many tangents we'll get on today but that was where i met my wife nicole <laughs> yes and, uh, she's amazing i know you I, I know you know the story but um yeah we got to know each other and took a while but eventually um convinced her that she should be with me <laughs> <Forever>. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean by what do you mean by it took a while? Were you kind of uh, were you kind of grooming for a while there? There's there a lot of grooming going on. It was a little bit like uh, it was a little bit Jim and Pam esque, you know, from the office. Um, <laughs> it's like emails and she's emails. Like, <laughs> did yeah, you did you yeah. finish did you finish your emails with a signature? Come on. Well. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that was that was automatic. But open um, <laughs> the IT guys weren't reading them. Oh uh, yes. <laughs> well, uh, I guess I guess to this point, um, it sounded like by by the sounds of it, you had a, a pretty sorted life, and in terms of the general view of success, like you were well on track. You'd uh, done well at school. You had plenty of sports, you'd done, you know, like a pretty good, um, was it a degree or masters? It was degree, uh, right? Yep. Yep. Double. Double. Um, yep. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, you had like a good job. I'm assuming the benefits were pretty good and your salary was only set to rise. So I guess for someone looking at it from that point of view, what made you decide to, I guess, change everything and pursue something completely different well that was probably what i was getting at with um when i mentioned meeting nicole at work because literally in the first week i started there um i said i'm gonna i'm gonna move to canada in about 12 months <laughs> and she's like who's this fucking guy <laughs> and i was like yeah i'm serious and it turned out to be two and a half years later but um we uh, it was a good job like say and you know the pay was good and there was probably a lot of scope for uh moving up the ranks and that sort of stuff and i was happy i was playing cricket i was living out of home with friends and and then nicole and then our fr couple of our, my, our friends moved to canada and we knew other people over there and it was somewhere we both always wanted to go back to and so we just made the decision one afternoon like let's do it let's just go at the end of the at the end of this year like in it was, it was like february and we decided mm. we'd go for the start of the winter there which is like october november mm. and uh nicole was like well you know we haven't got like 
maybe enough savings. We should we should work for another year and go next year. And I said, well, we're not getting any younger. Like I was 27. And the other thing is we're paying rent. Like we're going to work 12 months and pay 20 grand in rent to save another 15 grand. So it's a false economy. Let's just get out of here. Yeah, right. And, uh, and we did. So I guess to answer your question, like a, a big um, factor in... Um, my career change was an environmental change. So just completely shifting, just a big transition um, overseas off the sort of colloquial rat wheel mm. and into a, a place of nature and mountains and um, just a place that was more creative in general mm. or, or gave me more uh, freedom to be more creative. Like I'd never been musical whatsoever but my dad taught himself how to play guitar when he was younger mm. and um, that was something I always wanted to do and so like I bought a guitar over in Canada and sort of still still a beginner I think by most guitarists measurement but um could put a few could put a few notes together which is nice can write a love um, song or two <laughs> yeah I don't I don't know if anyone would uh accept my my serenading <laughs> I'll put the voice with it. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, the vocals need some work. <laughs> yeah, but no, yeah, it was, like, um, it was really cool. And we had a great time over there for, I think we planned for about 18 months to be there. And we met you early on. We lived with you. And, yeah, yeah. Um, and that was awesome. And, um, you know, we snowboarded together. And you were sort of probably in a similar place, weren't you? Like looking to, to like... What am I going to work on? What do I want to do? What do I want to start? Yeah, I think I think I'd been in that kind of place for a while actually, because I'd been when I met you guys, I'd already been traveling for a while, so I I still didn't really kind of know exactly what I'd want to do because I'd been like, you know, a amateur whitewater kayaker and rock climber and I think you were better than amateur mate. Some of the stuff <laughs> you showed me. Yeah, I mean in terms of like I wasn't I didn't ever really go fully pro, but like there was times I was sponsored and it was a potential path for me, but I still didn't really know what I wanted to be when I met you and then obviously fell in love with snowboarding and I guess that was around the time that you were discovering what you really wanted to do and I think that was like you were one of my inspirations to i don't know to check out the creative world and i fell in love after that so oh, i guess you. really well I, of... I just remember you always had like lots of ideas and heaps of energy mm. and i was i was pumped on that because like when you've got someone around you who's super energetic and super enthusiastic about doing stuff mm. um you know that you feed off that so yeah for sure i was like cool i'm gonna bring some energy to what i'm doing and mm. um I did the first summer I mountain biked and I had a few grand's worth of investment in mountain bike and gear and instructors course and all sorts of stuff. I was teaching, making money with it and loved it because from biking BMX and motocross earlier in my life, like I just fell in love with it. Mm. And then the next summer, um, I was like, you know, this is pretty dangerous. Like I don't want to put myself out for the winter. Like I'm really, I'm here for the winter and snowboarding. Mm. Um, I also don't have like any friends really doing it and that that like yearning or that sort of drive to get some something going business-wise was just eating away at me so I sold it all off um, and I bought a drone with it and so um, that was probably the, 
the first, I guess, leap of faith, which yeah. was like, I'd, I'd obviously done a, a bit of thinking and research. And I think the reason I went for that business model, that creative um, path was because I realized how much I enjoyed shooting, uh, like filming stuff. I was always a guy with a GoPro up on the mountain or like, you, you know, you go on a holiday and you make a little slideshow or something like that, yeah. you know, and, and I'd hate to see that stuff now. It'd just be awful. But um, I, I just <laughs> I think I <laughs> reflected a bit and was just aware that they were, they were things that I really liked deep down. Mm. And um, I liked, I'm very visually sort of stimulated and appreciate really nice visual stuff. So yeah. I was like, all right, well, and I like technology and, um, and RC type stuff. So it's like, let's, let's do the drone thing. Like this is new, the, the Phantom 4, DJI Phantom 4 hit the market. It was all the buzz and mm. went to Vancouver. And it was interesting, actually, it's kind of funny because at the time I wanted to propose to Nicole and <laughs> um, I needed to buy a ring, but obviously needed her not to know. Yeah. So my decoy excuse was that I was buying a drone. <laughs> and, and so on the same day, we drove into Vancouver and we went to this huge shopping center where I knew uh, there would be, like I thought there would be drone stores, but they weren't. And it turns out they're in the city. Anyway, I had to go elsewhere to get it. But um, while we're still at the shopping center, we went our separate ways and I just snuck into a few ring stores and was hoping not to get seen and get busted. <laughs> so I spent yeah. a lot of money that day, but I came away with the drone and um, yeah, I, I got started with that. So you walked out so with I a drone and a ring. <laughs> and, then yeah. you, and then you ended up marrying the drone first. <laughs> That's right. That was my, my first love. <laughs> cool, man. Well, I think like after listening to what you said, there's a few things I've got out of it. So I'm thinking in terms of anyone listening to this, maybe they'll they'll kind of get the same thing out of it. Is First of all, like you made some sacrifices and you took some action. And I think that's a big thing that um, stops a lot of people from pursuing what they want is like it's really scary to take action. But as soon as you do it, I think the fear kind of leaves because you're doing something. So the moment you kind of went to Canada, I was like, all right, well, now I'm here. And then I think the next thing that I'm getting out of this that happened for you is you slowed down and by slowing down a lot of the times you actually speed up in the right direction. So like being able to slow down, you said, you know, you were able to play guitar and you were able to kind of do the things you enjoyed. And by doing what you enjoyed, you're like, well, fuck, actually like I could, I could do this as a thing, you know? Yeah. So hundred percent. I think that's kind of what I'm getting out of it. And then, again and just you continue that cycle of all right so well i guess i'll make a sacrifice here i'll sell off my gear i'll buy a drone and a ring <laughs> and then yeah, yeah. i guess that takes you to the next stage which is you went from you know gopro wielding homie to you know that guy with the drone is making a few bucks here and there yeah pretty much and and you're right about slowing down and i think it's a hard thing to do because there's always so much to do. There's always, always so much stimulus and you feel like if you're not sort of hustling day in, day out, you're falling behind. And in some ways that's true, but if you can like create a bit of space for yourself and uh, get it away from the noise of what's maybe like the clutter that, that might be stopping your, your clarity of thought, um, that's really helpful. And that's sort of what moving to Canada did for me. And even once I got there, it still took a while for that to happen, but 
it definitely happened at a different rate um, and in a different headspace. Mm. And I just started thinking differently. So that was really nice. And I I guess the message is you don't need to (laughs) move overseas and uproot your life for this to happen. It's it's (laughs) how it happened for me. But uh, if you've got something burning away deep down and you're thinking, um, you know, for me, I just, my head just wasn't in my old sort of commercial world. Mm. So I knew that that wasn't a good thing because everyone around me just seemed to be so into it. And Mm. I just wasn't connecting with them. And that's like red flags that you're in the wrong environment. And that affected my energy because I wasn't passionate about it. So it is a drag. Like it's, it's a long day to sit at work eight to five. And whereas if you enjoy it, like I could probably do that on the computer now doing some editing of content and and like time flies, like the day's not long enough. Yeah. 10 Red Bulls later and you've done a three day bender. (laughs) (laughs) And you're not even, and you're not even at the club. Oh, I'm sticking to a couple of coffees. That's 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 my uh, yeah, mate. I'm well off the Red Bulls. Try, try and live the long life. Stay yeah. off the Red Bulls. I'm just I'm just unless, saying it. I'm just saying it because you know. Me. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I was going <laughs> to say. I'm just saying it in case maybe someone who <laughs> works for Red Bull is like, oh, fuck, these guys drink Red Bull. <laughs> yeah, look look at this guy. He's like below average snowboard. I wish he was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think what happened when I bought the drone, I, uh, I had a bit of a plan, like you've got to come up with a plan and, and write a list every day. And that was important, like to get things moving. So I think having a fundamental understanding of what I needed to do to sort of set up a business as a self-proprietor or mm. just to get legit was, you know, register a, 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 um, a business number or whatever you needed to do in Canada at the time. I went and licensed myself with um, Transport Canada for a special flight operations certificate. Mm. Um, so I could be like a, a registered certified commercial drone operator. Um, and that actually was free, believe it or not at the time, but it wow. was like a 40 page application. It was, it was unbelievably administrative, um, but that really helped. And then I insured myself. So I actually got some like insurance that I paid for um, that covered UAV operation um, and all these things are like selling points for clients mm. like so that you, they don't just think you're a cowboy yeah um and then like you know get your social handles start setting up a website so i just had like a i remember it now i, I had literally like a, a notepad a4 piece of paper that i ripped out i had like a blue texter and i drew all these boxes with arrows you know first this then this and it was just like this big page of flow chart boxes yeah and in each box was all these things that i wanted to do whether it was register this sign up for that practice flying the drone for five hours next week or one hour whatever it was learn learn how to edit a photo properly blah 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 Mm. yeah so that was like a good system to kind of get me going and then from there um you've got to try and make some money out of it yeah right (laughs) I guess just quickly for anyone listening who doesn't already hasn't already guessed at what you do, um, what is it that you do, Shannon? <laughs> what is well, your we've company? Left we've left it a while to tell people, haven't we? Yeah, we This guy's a spitballing. Um, I am freelance filmmaker and photographer, so I operate um, as 
Risen Film, R-I-S-E-N-F-I-L-N. Little little plug, uh, so man. Little can, plug. What's that? Little plug. Look it up on Instagram. Risen Film. R-I-S-E-N-F-I-L-N. <laughs> yeah, get around me. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll link <laughs> it, it anyway. I'll link it anywhere in the podcast. Oh, good man. Uh, yeah, I, I think I sort of came up with that name because of it was like indicative of like rising, like yeah. rise above with a drone. Yeah, um, makes sense. Into the sky. Unless, unless you're, unless you're Tavis, I hope he's listening right now because his drones tend to fall. So maybe he'd call it fall film. <laughs> <laughs> Falling film. <Yeah. laughs> uh, I think that might have to do with the operator, Tavis. Oh, <laughs> Tav, we love you. Sorry, mate. <laughs> we do love you. Um, he did say he had some problems with his Navigator. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I don't get one of those dodgy ones. Yeah, mate. Yeah. Anyway, yeah okay so you you operate as a filmmaker um and i guess going back to what you were saying about the flow chart now that people kind of know what you're doing i think it's that system is kind of applicable to to anything that uh someone's passionate about that they want to do because a lot of the times when you sit down there and you go all right now let's use a totally different example like uh, let's say you wanted to be a ballet dancer for the australian ballet academy i could see you doing that maybe i do well maybe yeah. you do and that's okay Flexible. but when you when you kind of sit there and you look at it in a macro picture in the big picture and i think you can even break this down to you know if you want to be a pt at a gym or anything that you want to do it's terrifying right when you go fuck i have to do a lot of shit to get to where i want to be but i guess what you did with the flow chart is and i think this is for anyone who wants to do something that they're passionate about by breaking it down into those all right well this week i'll just do this next week i'll focus on this etc 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 and then before you know it you're kind of you're at the big picture yeah i think people like get a bit overwhelmed um maybe emotionally or whatever it is to when they look at the big picture and go i want to get from like here mm. to up there mm. and they can't rationalize everything in between mm. and so i think just putting it into logical steps and ticking those boxes as you work you up the ladder mm. if you just go about that um, consistently, then you eventually you'll you'll get you'll just you'll get to where you want to be. So I just started off as aerial only, like drone only, and I ended up meeting some people and getting a few jobs over in Canada, and they were all pretty low end. I think I even did some free stuff for it. I remember one of the first jobs I did was for like this shooting range, yeah, and right. um, and it was it's just a straight contra deal, but. I, I used some of my friends as models. So we got a couple of hours of free shooting. Yes. And I just and I just made a little film and gave it to him for his website. Yeah, right. And like that was worthwhile for me. I mean, I thought that was amazing. And yeah. you know, he loved it. Um looking at the content now, I wouldn't even show my mum. But like <laughs> you know I want to see this. I don't think value for this. like both both sides. <laughs> uh and so, yeah, I just kind of got a little, it's important to get momentum and doing all those things, working behind the scenes. You just have to trust and be patient that, that they'll pay off. Mm. Um, you can't like flip the switch overnight. So it's a gradual build up. And then if you get one job or you meet someone and you do something well for them, they also have to like you and, um, you know, it's build a rapport with that person. Maybe they'll pass you on word of mouth. Mm. Um, and you never really know how, which way it's going to snowball. 
um, as long as it's kind of rolling forward. And then, yeah, I filmed a few like weddings with a with a um, wedding filmmaker and some uh, some cool stuff like outdoor adventure. Um, what was it? Outdoor adventure like activity company that did like ATVing and snowmobiling and mm. um, like that dog sledding. Which company was that? That was really cool. And then I sort of realized that I should probably buy like a handheld, like a ground-based camera, DSLR or something, mm. because then I can have a more well-rounded like production. Mm. Um, because especially over there, um, Vancouver is like known as North Hollywood because all the Americans jump the border and produce films there because mm. they always get a, a cheaper conversion on the dollar. And so the studios and there's so many well-established like drone operators in in that area of, of BC. Mm that like being someone new was just, you know, pretty daunting. And then um, we actually decided to return back to Australia. Mm. So, and that was tough because we were just so happy with where we were living, like life was amazing. But just from a career point of view, um, in a ski resort, you know, town, mm. it's so seasonal and the wages are so low and it's just quite hard to get, you know, I was like 30 and it's very hard to, to get financially in a, in a really solid position and mm. we missed our families and all that. So we came home and basically did that all again, like set up the business, registered in Australia, did my Australian mm. pilot's license through CASA. Um, um, yeah, like new networks um, in a new, and it wasn't even moving home really, it was moving to the Gold Coast instead of Brisbane. So I, I still didn't even know anyone there. Mm. so um how did how did but, that feel did that feel like a, a setback or did you feel like all right well canada was a training ground like this is not where i'm gonna make my big run and did this kind of feel easier this time around or uh, i think it did but it definitely felt like an uphill battle for the first few months like you we got here we were finding a place to live we got married we had a honeymoon we, we outlaying all this money like some of the money i um the income from canada from a few of those drone jobs i sort of saved that up and and ended up buying like a camera kit over here when we got back Mm. um so camera and lenses and tripod and audio equipment and all this stuff and if i'm going to be honest like i had never really shot with a proper camera like i i'm not a photographer Mm. i was never really like i was pretty um good I thought with the drone by this point um but I was pretty scared about the whole camera thing but I I knew I was interested in it I knew it was important and then I just just sort of figured it out and really enjoyed it yeah putting the aerial and the ground-based content together and eventually just started to I think the the most important thing I did when I got back other than investing more in in myself or in the business Mm. was um networking so just trying to meet people and um, get my name out there and build some personal and professional relationships and mm. try and get some income from that. Yeah, right. I guess a question I have for you now is, like this all sounds like pretty hard work and let's be realistic, starting a business is really hard, right? Like it's incredibly challenging. So I guess the question becomes like, you know, you're doing it in Canada and then you go back to Australia and you've got to start from basically from scratch again. Um, the odds are like pretty overwhelming when you look at it from the big picture. So what motivated you to do this? Like, 
why why didn't you just go ah oh, this is too hard like i'll give up what's the motivation behind creating what you've created now which in my eyes like you know i, I view what you're doing now as pretty successful and you're only going to get more successful once you know the world opens up again <laughs> yeah i hope so yeah. um sounds like it's a while off at the moment but at least uh, regionally we can get around australia or should mm. be able to mm. um mate i think like i think the drive was just there i think the, the fire was burning and um i'd already got a taste of of what it was like to um i mean there's nothing really more rewarding than working really hard towards something and producing something that's creative that mm. like didn't exist before it's 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 your own masterpiece or it's your own creation and then people pay you for that yeah, so right. that was really rewarding i thought that was really cool and the other thing was i i've always wanted to work for myself um so i mean even back when i was in sort of high school and uni i always sort of said like i i, I don't really want to work for other people and I, I like working with other people but i think just the freedom of like being able to run your own schedule and um if you have a good enough work ethic and and structure um then that's okay i think a lot of people like the routine and they like having to, to go to work and get that sort of thing and, and that's fine it's just not not 100 for me so i think that was probably the driving force um just being able to like, like uh, run a business that gave me the lifestyle i wanted i think the lifestyle was is the ultimate and goal hmm. rather than financially being like i'm going to be a millionaire out of this because that's not you know that hasn't happened at least at this point i think a few years in but we'll see i think that, that <laughs> was i knew that wasn't really happen. it was more just the means to an end and uh making money doing something that you like because i was a big believer in all those sort of motivational talks and i think it's like even steve jobs says and you probably heard it like if, if you don't love what you do like you will lose you will lose mm. the drive to sort of pursue that because you do have to push really hard and you do have to work hard and if you if you don't like it you're just kind of pushing stuff uphill so yeah pushing shit uphill like one of those one of those beetles what are they called like poo beetles or something dung beetles that's it the dung beetles <laughs> <laughs> yeah mate you don't want to be the dung beetle and you you actually just nailed it i was about to ask you the question you know was this ever about money for you and you've just answered no and i think that's uh that's a huge problem with a lot of people's efforts toward you know starting a business or starting creating something successful is and i don't blame them like a lot of the days what you a lot of these days what you see on social media and the news is it's all about money and it's all about you know material and really the most successful people in the world and you know i guess you can attest to this as well as you don't make it about money you make it about doing something you love and getting paid to do something that you love and the money will come like i have no doubt that you're gonna be able to scale your business to a point where you look back and go oh shit well i'm actually making pretty good money here <laughs> but yeah, i guess for you that's not the you main do. focus like yeah and and you do need the money because that does give you the freedom but it shouldn't be the driving force because the money does come you've got to master the skill no. you know if you if you become good enough at something you'll find a way to monetize it mm. um and, I, and i'm not the best creator ever i don't have the best content ever but 
like I've, it's at a level where it's good enough that I can add value to other people and mm. having that kind of business background was my strength. So I knew that I didn't really want to do like real estate photography unless I've done some drone stuff and that, and that's great. I didn't really want to do weddings because I wasn't super passionate about it. I really love adventure content, outdoors and sports. So I was always going to do that stuff. Um, and I knew that I could add value to businesses because I understood what, what might help them or what they'd be after. And I knew maybe some of the lingo or how to deal with people in marketing. Mm. Um, so that came from your, your studies, right? I think so. I think that definitely helped having that background for Mm. sure. Mm. Having like a commercial, um, some commercial acumen, um, it, it definitely helps. So think about what your skills are and you can always upskill, but think about like what maybe they call it like an unfair advantage you already have. It might be your networks, might be people, you know, it might be something you already are good at. Mm. And then maybe you can tie that in with your creative business idea yeah, and right. benefit from that. You know, if you, if you do want to be a personal trainer, like you might already know someone who, who builds gym equipment, or you might know someone who has a really good network of people at a swimming club who might be a, a, a um, referral source for you to, to come to your gym or mm. to get clients. You know, there's all sorts of different um, ways to, to spin it. But yeah, that, that was what it was for me. So yeah, right. That question? Is that the question? <laughs> I can't even remember now. No, I think, no, 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 you answered the question early on. You answered the question early on. It was it was in regards to, you know, obviously you need income, but don't make it the yeah. the, the main point of starting the business. You should, and it's like what you said with the Steve Jobs quote, right? Well, on, on the income thing, like people probably listening saying like, well, how, how did you just like buy a drone and then start a business like and, and make a living off it? Mm. I still was working like at least part-time elsewhere, mm. you know, mm. mountain bike instructing or in a restaurant or whatever it was. Mm. And then when I moved back to Australia, I worked for Gold Coast Radio. So I think they're the biggest media um, company in Australia, Southern Cross Stereo. So it's like the Triple M network and the Hit network. Mm. Um, and I worked as a digital content producer. Mm. And so that utilized like some of the skills I had learned in Canada, which was particularly video production because it was posting um, daily to social channels of about 150, 200,000 followers across the, the two brands on Facebook and Instagram, mm. writing articles, posting photos, filming like in studio with, with the Brecky um, radio crews, mm. uh, filming live performances in studio. Like we had Paul Kelly come in, we had Vera Blue, we had oh. Screaming Jets. Um, film like BB Rexa at one of our singles parties and different events and OBs like outside broadcasts for anyone who's not on the radio lingo mm. where they run events and um, give stuff away. And anyway, it was heaps of fun, like some, some really big fun personalities in that role. And I did that sort of 20 to 25 hours a week while you know, working on growing the business at the Gold Coast where I just moved to and I didn't really know anyone. Mm. So I was doing that three days a week, working on my business three days a, a week. And one of those days I'd go to like a, a weekly networking breakfast where I pay for my breakfast and I meet with other industry professionals, not 
from the creative circle of influence necessarily somewhere, but they'd be, you know, lawyers, mortgage brokers, lots of trades people mm. and building a relationship with them. And, you know, it's a, it's a word of mouth, refer, word of mouth referral, uh, networking group. So, mm. um, we've all probably been to them at some point, but if you haven't, um, don't underestimate the power of them. And that really helped kickstart my business. And I, um, basically got some of my bigger clients, um, through that source and, mm. and then, yeah, um, sort of outgrew it and moved to Japan for a little while. Um, but yeah, those steps were all pretty important, I think, to, yeah, to right. get where I was, but the point, the point is, uh, you, it's, it's staged a little bit, like you might have to work a part-time job but at least you can work on your business like to keep some money coming in, but then work on, on your business at the same time until yeah, right. it builds up and overtakes and then just transition over full time. And, and that's a second leap of faith. The first one is the decision. The second one is the investment. Mm. And the third one is, okay, like I'm, I've got to go all in on this. And, uh, I wasn't making enough probably to live off at the time, but I knew that my time and energy that I was putting into the paid role, the mm. part-time role, was just taking away too much from what I could put into the business. So mm. I was like, all right, it's time to go full time with this and put hundred percent energy into it. And that was the, that was the best decision ever because, um, the return on that investment was, um, enough to, yeah, like run full time doing freelance work. So yeah, yeah. well, <laughs> I think, I think those, those three tips are really important. Those three steps. So, so the. What was the first one again? The decision, the investment, and then the go all in. Yeah, yeah I think I, I think, think those so. are those are really important for anyone listening who wants to start their own thing. I think the other thing you, that got clarified there from what you were saying in terms of your journey is like there's this love affair with being an entrepreneur and running your own business, and I think a lot of that's come from you know your famous entrepreneurs now, people like Gary Vee or. Tony Robbins or, you know, like there's all these people popping up and being an entrepreneur is like, it's freaking cool now. Right. But a lot yeah. of people kind of fantasize about that and they don't realize that the reality of it is it's pretty ugly for a while. Like you got to work your ass off. Like you got to do things you don't want to do and you've got to sleep a little bit less than you used to. And you got to get up a little bit earlier than you used to. And you got to sacrifice a lot of things. And I think that comes back to that whole idea and I guess the topic of this podcast in a way, you got to have a love affair with what you do because you're just not going to be able to maintain it otherwise. So for a lot of people, maybe, you know, like maybe starting a business isn't the right thing for them. Maybe for them, just being part of something else that's great is something that'll, that they love. You know, I think for a lot of people, like, they go, oh, I, you know, I want to start a business, but they're not really in love with it. And then they burn out and then they just feel like a failure. Yeah, 100%. Well, I mean, on that point, like even if there are people listening who are like, I don't have an idea, like I don't have a burning desire to do some, like something on my own or maybe I haven't gotten to that point yet. Like that's that's fine. And But maybe those people have people in their lives that they could help who are mm. on this journey. Maybe it's their partner who's trying to do it, or maybe um, they jump on board, like you said, and, and help someone who wants to be an entrepreneur 
to to help them reach that goal and be part of something that you know that's the next big app or the mm. next the next business and in in a certain area that that does really well and and they're a part of that and they have a stake in it mm. there's all different ways to get involved you might not be the driver but you might be a really good support person and add value through whatever skills and experience you have and maybe that person's like well here's 30 percent of my business like you're going to help me get to my goals so mm, mm. i mean then you own 30 percent of a business that might make some some money yeah um but like yeah when you mentioned gary v i mean he's such an interesting guy um he's he's so full-on to listen to but i think i like what, where he's going mm. but one of my favorite quotes from him with all of that other conjecture out there that you know all that other information that says that you can be an entrepreneur anyone can be an entrepreneur you can do this overnight start your own business move the <laughs> nine to five travel the world like you can but my favorite thing from gary v was like not no like you not everyone could be an entrepreneur yeah not at all because um it takes a certain level of like work ethic and, and hard work and like riding the roller coaster mm. of of like doubt and of low times and no money and then high times and like even just people who you tell that you're gonna um you're gonna make a change you're gonna do something they'll probably tell you no like they'll probably say like oh that's that's kind of ludicrous or like you don't know anything about like filmmaking or mm. like what like drones are not gonna like be a big thing like they're just a fad and like all these things that kind of underlying you probably know probably back yourself and you have to mm. but they still make you question what you're doing yeah so just don't take advice from people who haven't walked the walk themselves because everyone's willing to offer free advice mm. good or bad but if it's advice you don't want to hear and it's not well grounded and they ha and they don't have any kind of uh, backing or experience or knowledge in that area mm. i mean definitely take that with a grain of salt because you don't you don't really need that kind of negativity in your life yes yeah i think that's just life in general like and that comes uh i did a podcast with a friend of mine jesse about finding your tribe and i think that's so important if you're going to be chasing what you love is finding people who are going to build you up if there's someone in your life who's like trying to tear you down just tell them to fuck off like obviously don't say it like that because it might offend them and hurt their feelings unless you want to then do what you want but you know yeah. get that person out of your life like you don't need that shit in your life you need people who one believe in you and two like you say people who come from a background of knowing what they're talking about so you know that when they do give you criticism that it's well founded and that you can actually use what they're saying to better yourself you know you can use what they're saying to be accountable for your actions as opposed to someone who's just like you know you're a fuckhead you don't know how to fly a drone mate like get rid of that person you know? We don't need them. Yeah, get out. Get out of here, guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Like, um, <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Be because when you talk about finding your tribe, um, it's cool because when you do start walking down that path that's kind of uh, calling you, you don't actually know the paths that lead off it. You just don't know until you walk down the first one and all these other doors start opening. Mm. So like for me, I guess good examples are like the people that you meet, you know, 
you and I, without knowing you, I wouldn't have met your brother. And without knowing you guys, I wouldn't have met Tabas. Mm. And, and that's just one example of like, we all went and, and booked a, a New Zealand road trip. And like, I brought my mate who, who's into shooting Tyler. And then we, we hired a combi van and we had like one of the best weeks of my life. You know, while shooting content. Apart from and that, then, go that that drive up Crown Hill when the combi died. They <laughs> <laughs> nearly started rolling back down to the bottom. <laughs> that was so good. Fourth gear, baby, come on. <laughs> we nearly cooked it. I think that was a no go zone, wasn't it? That was a not. That was a not recommended route. Yeah, shit. Well, let's hope the combi company isn't listening in. Too bad. In Too dark. bad. It's already returned. It's good. In the dark with terrible light. <laughs> no fuel and uh, but but yeah i mean you walk through different doors and they only appear when you start walking down the corridor if you never go down the corridor it remains dark and you just you know you don't get any other chances how do you like all these metaphors that is super wise i think this is the this is the most yoda you have ever gone You've stepped it up well, another okay. level, mate. You've you've gone from baby Yoda to the old guy who's on the lonely planet guiding Luke. <laughs> Beard stroking Yoda. Yeah. But but baby Yoda's more popular, let's face it. Yeah, yeah, true. Uh, he's cute. Market yourself and as baby Another example's like, yeah, working in, uh, for that radio station that I spoke about, like I met a lot of people there that um, you know, opened up a few other opportunities. And even now, like without having originally picked up a camera and learned how to use it and figured out how to make videos and upload them. And like, I wouldn't be helping my wife run a YouTube channel. So mm. she's like a baker. And, um, I was like, well, you know, I've got these skills and you've got those skills. So like, let's, let's do something with it. I'm sure people get a kick out of it. Mm. Um, and then we both love doing that. And then I'm helping her do something that she loves. So yeah, like, you just kind of got to go for it and um you never really know how it's going to pan out but if you keep keep walking forward like you'll you'll come across um some really good opportunities yeah right i think yeah i think you nailed it with the the corridor in terms of you know instead of walking down the dark corridor just turn on the light keep walking forward and you'll the doors will open and one of those is le bon baker is that uh, did i get the name right yeah, that's it. It's yeah. French for the good baker. Ah, that makes <laughs> sense now, actually. Yeah, so, I mean, if you want, I can link that in the podcast as well. But that's a door that's open for you, and I'm sure there's plenty more doors that are opening as well, especially as we come out of this and more opportunities arise. Um, but, yeah, I think you nailed it. And I think a lot of people, the main thing that they can get out of this is just take the first step, like, as scary as it is. If you need to buy a $1,500 drone, what's the first step? I don't know, work another job or work an extra 10 hours, save the money, buy the drone. Take the step. Yeah. Because yeah. that's the hardest part. If you part. can find a way to save 50 bucks a week by not spending it on going out for dinner or buying a carton of beer, and that's going to buy you a camera in six months, um, you know, to get started. like. Mm that's that's a, that's a perfect approach mm. and, and a lot of people are so scared of spending money up front because they're like where's my immediate return on investment mm. and it's it's not immediate but if you don't take that step then you don't have the momentum of buying that camera to then mm. take the next step sort of thing yeah so, right. yeah but I, I guess another like flow on example of where 
things can blow up a bit is like when I, uh, I, met, I got um, lucky and a friend of mine put me in touch with um, someone who wanted to, to do a bit of a documentary film mm. um, on the Gold Coast for a, a special needs um, nippers group. And it's a really cool program for kids with special needs to learn all about um, surf life saving and all the activities. And they train down on the beach next to the like regular nipper programs that are mm. down there every Sunday. And um, the guy who runs it is just a total legend, like so selfless. And he's super busy with helping the Australian swim team and being a physio and all this stuff. And he's like, I want to tell my story. I've been doing this for a few years. And, you know, we really need like some funding and, I was like, oh, great, I'm on board, like, let's shoot this. And it was going to be like a 10-minute video, something, mm. 15 minutes. And the more I got into it, the more I realized how deep the story was. And I was like, you know what, let's just see where this goes. I really want to interview some of the families and get their stories. And I'll spend all this extra time shooting that I hadn't originally kind of factored in, but I was so invested in the whole thing. Mm. And... We did like a premiere screening at um, Home of the Arts at the Gold Coast and all the families and all the kids came along and we did rolled out a red carpet for the kids and they yeah, just were awesome. like heroes for the night. Like they, they were there an hour early. They loved it. Um, and then like the cinema was full um, and it was like by donation. So the program made a bit of money out of it. And then because of the exposure of that, we did a little bit of Nicole was in marketing and PR. She helped with a PR, um, like a, a bit of a PR campaign. We got um, a company on board who helped with that. So we ended up being on like Channel 7 News and Channel 9 News. And so the, the Nippers program got like all this exposure. And uh, eventually like we got picked up through a contact to be featured on Virgin In-Flight Entertainment. Mm. So they put the film on you know, the documentary category of um, in-flight entertainment program, both domestically and internationally for from January to the end of March this year. Yeah, wow. Um, I haven't got the stats back yet on like how it went. Obviously, COVID-19 would have punished the numbers in March because no one was flying. But yeah. even so, like just to just to kind of be on there and get the exposure for, for them mm. is just awesome. And like it all just started with, Hey, let's make a little film for this local beach program. Yeah, right. Yeah, and that was really cool. I'm really like proud of that one. Yeah, um, I, I was. Work, I was. Super, I told a lot of people about that. Actually, I was. I was. I was vicariously proud through you. <laughs> <laughs> My man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. That's that's perfect example of opening. Well, well, taking a step and all the doors that opened just on that project alone was huge. And I guess another door that opened for you personally is you enjoyed it, right? You enjoyed making a documentary. So that's like a whole different avenue of filmmaking you can now pursue. Yeah, that was pretty testing. That was the biggest sort of project I'd worked on. The longest form is like 35 minutes, the feature film. And then from that, we had a short version for film festivals and a trailer that was like for social media. So there was a, a lot um, of content that came from it, but uh, I learned a lot from it and it, it's probably not my best cinematic work because a lot of it was just on like run and gun type stuff, mm. but, um, it's more the power of the story is, um, probably better than most other stuff I've yeah. done. So, um, yeah, uh, the whole storytelling, um, challenge is, is a good one and it's definitely a hard one to master. And that's just like, 
I think for me, the next sort of level up is improving that storytelling. Yeah, yeah I feel and, that. But you guys are doing the same thing. Some of your, like, not just with the podcast, but like some of your content and the mm. videos are mm. getting really powerful. And, yeah. And that's also because you're putting yourselves out there. You're working behind the scenes. Like you guys put so many hours in. Mm. You, you're, you're flying to Peru and spending, you know, what, do a week or two hike in there and take content. Yeah. And then you write blogs and, Mate, I don't know how many arms you've got, but you definitely don't. <laughs> well, we got two, four between the two of us, but kind of bringing it back and touching on, um, I don't know what topic it is you, you kind of touched on, but I guess it's that that backing yourself and uh, no, it's not that. It's the making the sacrifices. I think that's something that I I didn't want to do for a long time. I was kind of had this fictitious idea in my head that oh, if I could just keep doing what I'm doing and living my lifestyle, then, you know, the forces of the universe will come together and, oh, Lordy, here we go. <laughs> but it, it never really works out that way. And I think, you know, having people like yourself in my life and another big one was having someone like my brother in my life who's, you know, yeah. created what he's created from nothing was a big indicator that, all right, Jacques, like you need to make some big sacrifices here. So, you know, cutting down on the Uber Eats and cutting down on the parties and cutting down on the socializing, which is, I mean, pretty easy at the moment because we have to, <laughs> you know, to, to put in <laughs> no the work. Whether you got friends or not, you're yeah. at home alone. <laughs> to put in the work and to save the money and invest in things that'll get us to that goal is, I think that's something that you learned at an early point in, you know, driving towards monetizing your passion. And it's, I guess, something that I've learned, especially over the past year or a couple of years, really. So I think that's yeah, another definitely. big point. It's just the old adage of it takes money to, to make money. Yeah. So if you're not sort of prepared to make a few either lifestyle sacrifices or financial sacrifices or time sacrifices, then, you know, it just becomes harder to achieve what you want to achieve. Um, mm or it takes longer to achieve it. So yeah, I mean, there's no, it's all about the work you put in, I yeah. guess. And it's yeah. hard. I mean, when you work for yourself too, there's just, it's just kind of like that feeling of uni where you've always got a bit of a cloud hanging over you. Like there's always something that could be done. Mm. You could always do something better than you've done it before. There's always a, a list of things that are sitting over there that you need to address your work you're focused on this at the moment and so you just have to be like you have to become comfortable with some of those uncomfortable feelings and once you can handle that which a lot of it's about time management a lot of it's about figuring out how long things take and what's important like prioritizing what's important because mm. because i could probably post more to instagram for example but it's not really where my return on investment is mm. like at the moment that might be from other sources or from networking or from being in touch with existing clients. Mm. So I've got to know like what works for me and, um, yeah, I, once you figure that out, um, which is an ongoing process still for me too, but once you figure that out and can deal with it, it becomes a lot easier to, to manage. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a, a good little point to touch on. you got to kind of become certain almost with uncertainty. Like there's always going to be something you didn't predict or something you could do better, but you just you got to realize it's part of it. Like 
and you, you're going to encounter problems that you never saw coming and you're going to suck sometimes and you're going to feel like a failure, but that's like kind of part of life. <laughs> you're not going to escape that until you die and you join the universe and become an atom somewhere on Mars, you know? <laughs> and we're not that far away from uh, Mars, I think. Yeah, I know. Right. Probably not far away. But yeah. if you watch the TV series, it doesn't interest me much. It looks pretty barren. <laughs> it, looks, it looks like living in uh, the middle of Australia, actually. Yeah, you've got to wear a space suit. <laughs> So you can breathe every time you walk outside. Yeah. <laughs> hey, but uh, man, we've been going for an hour and twenty minutes now, almost, which is pretty wow. impressive. Um, I I, uh, I thought we'd struggle to hit an hour. Yeah, dude. Once you want to put a couple of dot points down, I was like, oh, geez, we'll be done in ten minutes. But <laughs> that's the thing, eh? Once you actually start having a conversation and you actually engage. And that's the thing I love so much about podcasts is, man, I learned a lot just having this discussion. That's why for me, it's easy, easy that it goes an hour and 20 because it's, it's interesting when you actually enjoy it, you know? Well, it's easy to talk about stuff you love doing, but it's also easy to talk about yourself and without that being too like self-servient, hmm. um, it's probably something I haven't done for a, a while. And, um, it's uh, hopefully it's helping people like hopefully anyone who's listening has got something out of it from, mm. you know, on some level. So <laughs> if you have, let me know. That'd be, that'd be awesome. Drop me a, yeah. drop me a message. Yeah. How are you? If not, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Sorry. I guess to, to, to kind of finish up, there's a couple of questions I want to ask. The first is, I guess if you could summarize this and have some job points for someone, what are maybe three, four or five practical tips you could say to someone? right now whether it's that they want to pursue filmmaking or become australia's next ballet talent or you know become a pt or maybe they just want to join something that they think is freaking awesome what would be the practical yeah. tips for them well um write a list every day mm. so like pen to paper just write a list and there's something really uh rewarding about crossing something off the list when you when you've done it yeah and you know you feel like you're making progress sometimes you can split your list up as well into um small items big items priorities like you might do three things that have to be done today mm. then you do three little things and then you do one big thing or you start on it and, and for me when i did that when i started and i still write lists I rarely finish them because I'm always trying to write like over ambitious lists and then that that'll just flow onto the next day. And that might not work for everyone. They might want to finish their list, but I would, I would start with that and then be clear on what you want to achieve, you know, where you want to get to and, um, and then break down the steps to, to get there. Like mm. what are the, what's the first thing that you need to do? Mm. Like just, just take action. I think a lot of people get too, caught up in their thoughts and they feel like they've done something just because they've thought about it. Mm. And that's just not the case. I mean, it is when you first start, you've got a process, you've got to come up with your idea. You've got to be clear, have clarity about what, what it is. But like after that, once you know, you've got to, you've got to take action. So mm. write a list, take action, back yourself. Um, you, you had that idea yourself. You conjured that up. It's, it's the fire in you it's burning it's you know so when next week when your uncle doubts you or your friends say like nah man like 
that industry saturated or you want to drop ship products from China and everyone's already doing it. Like there's, it's a big C that everyone can have a droplet. Mm. So do your research and, and know the market and know where you can fit and where you can add value. So back, back yourself and your, and your idea. Mm. Um, and, and then the other one is be consistent, like just, just be consistent day in, day out. And some days I have better days than others where I do a lot and some, I feel like I haven't really achieved much, but I probably have done something that that's helped, mm. but I might not have finished anything. Um, just be consistent mm. day in, day out. Like if I have a day off the computer away from editing or working on something or, or like emails i feel really like not anxious but i i feel keen to like get back and get on it yeah, you, cool. you might be the same like yeah. yeah oh i want to get back into it um because i feel disconnected after a day so for me to like work six days in some capacity and i'm i wouldn't work like 12 or 15 hour days but even every day chipping away at it, um mm. it gets you to where you want to be so yeah write a list um be clear on your idea, back yourself and, and take action. And is that the right order? Yeah. Take action. Be consistent. Yeah, be, be, be consistent. I think yeah. the only thing I'd, I'd add to that in terms of being consistent is, uh, that ties in with showing up, you know, actually turning up <laughs> a lot of people, like yeah. you say, do all the planning and then they sleep in and they don't actually do anything. So even just showing up, even if, you know, you write your list and you only achieve half of it, like just keep showing up. Yeah, I think like knowing for me that there's always someone working harder than you mm. is a bit of a scary thought because there are and yeah. those people generally gonna gonna get to where they want to be because mm. they're prepared to work hard. So having perspective on what hard work actually is mm. is different for different people. But yeah, I suppose unless you're Elon Musk, yeah. there's there's always gonna be someone working harder because that guy's an animal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's tapped into something he's already ai'd he's, yeah he's man i think he's just the next evolution in terms of our brains like he's just so much smarter than everyone it's it's actually to the point it's ridiculous <laughs> he's got bots like working in his brain <laughs> while he's sleeping he's already AI. He's, like, he's program bots and yeah something's going on there <laughs> anyway bro <laughs> i guess the last question and to wrap it up um is where to now where to now for risen film for shannon like where to what's what's the plan i guess coronavirus has kind of probably stemmed a lot of people's flows but still an opportunity so what's on the horizon yeah. well i guess first things first is um just finding my feet after this whole covid situation because a lot of my work was uh not all oh, i'd say half of my work was international mm. so um that being, being cut off is pretty rough. Yeah. So I'm just sourcing like other opportunities regionally, whether that's signing up for, for other um, uh, income leading, you know, inquiry or referral lead source generated platforms or just working on content show reels to maybe put something up on LinkedIn or, yeah. or meeting new people um, to, to get some more work in Australia. Um, and yeah, I've always considered like how cool it would be to run a production company. I don't know if it's the leap that I want to take from mm. freelance because it's a it's a big change. Um, but if 
you know, there's people like yourself and Paolo and other guys I know who we could probably all run something like that one day, which which would be cool. But yeah, it's probably a question like for, for down the road. Yeah. But yeah, for now, mate, I think like um, my main focus is on um, outdoor adventure and, and tourism type content. Um, so building up some network and, and projects in that sphere, uh, commercial jobs, of course, and and working on upskilling um, some of my content cinematically and um, from a storytelling point of view, which I mentioned earlier, mm. um, you know, sound design, lighting, composition, there's always stuff I can improve on. So yeah, just plugging away at those and then helping my wife with her YouTube channel. Mm. Um, they're probably all the things in the foreseeable future that I'm looking to work away on. So yeah, yeah man. And I guess all of this kind of, ties into one overwhelming theme which is to be happy right and it seems like you're pretty happy on your journey now compared to where you might have been if you hadn't made the leap into becoming a freelance filmmaker so i think that in itself is an achievement and that in itself is something worth working towards i'm definitely happy we're um we're in brisbane just at the moment with, with um with the family just while COVID's going on and we're looking to get back down the Gold Coast soon and like having lived there for a couple of years and, and working freelance was so nice because if the surf was good, I could go out and surf and I could make up those hours, you know, working on the weekend or working later into the night or like just shifting around my week and like getting back to a little bit of routine um, would be really nice. So. Yeah, I'm pumped to do more travel now that that's starting to open up and get yeah. more into the hinterland and out into the scenic rim again, like I did just on Sunday and down to the beach and uh, maybe down to Melbourne. See you guys soon if um, if, the, if you open your borders. <laughs> yeah, let's see. Yeah. Let's let's see. Hopefully before 2021. No, hopefully. <laughs> we'll see, mate. But uh, I hey, think... animals. I think I think one more thing I want to cover before we kind of wrap this up is uh, one thing we didn't touch on in terms of practical tips is um, to continue upskilling, to continue learning. And that's something you just said there in terms of where to now is, you know, you've made upskilling and continuing to learn and continuing to get motivation by going on these trips and network and it doesn't end. You don't ever get yeah. to a destination. It's all about the journey. Yeah, destination keeps moving forward. You, you you get to one, and then all of a sudden it's off in the distance again, yeah. and you're like, oh, geez. like, yeah, you've got to keep adapting. You've got to be agile, and uh, if you are working on your ideas or you're working on your business, like, consider how it is is agile in today's world, and how it it might evolve differently from what your original thought is. And sometimes you've either got to run with that because it can be good. Well, sometimes you've got to say no like i'm getting distracted by these other opportunities that are not leading me to my goal because not every opportunity is a good opportunity mm. so you've got to know which ones to take um and for me like i guess my example was like i didn't want to shoot a bunch of indoor real estate shoots because that's just not that wasn't what i was after mm. and there's nothing wrong with that um but um I just was like, okay, no, I'm not going to take that opportunity because that will take away time and effort and energy into what I'm putting into something else. So, yeah, mate, just uh, just keep up upgrading, upgrade yourself, just keep so software update. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'll be us in ten years' time when we're all enhanced robots. 
Anyway, bro, I think that's about it. Is there anything else you want to say? Or any final messages from the baby Yoda that is Shannon? <laughs> no, mate, I'm all good. I think you've um you've wrung me dry. Um, <laughs> I'm just I'm just out. So Fantastic, hopefully, bro. yeah. Thanks for listening if you're still here and I hope it helps you. And yeah, feel free to send me a message and keep supporting these guys. Matthew Bros are killing it and Thanks, man. I love what you've done with the podcast, mate. Like pumping out 70 odd podcasts in no time. It's a big effort. So thanks, man. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, it's been it's been a blast having a chat with you, actually. Yeah, man. It's yeah, a lot more fun than you expect, right? Oh, definitely, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, we'll have to have another chinwag soon and 100%. we need another adventure like New Zealand. We need to go. Yeah. Like go out there in the wilderness and do some silly stuff again. I was going through some archival stuff the other day from that trip and came across a clip of you just in the middle of the highway you just dropped dropped your pants <laughs> just, just, just mooning us 